welcome back to Port Back. We are going to take a look at the round of 16 in the World Cup. Maz, are we a round of 16 man or a second round man? It's, I think that's like an interesting question to start us off with. Second round, definitely second round. Yeah, it always used to be second round, didn't it? And then it became round of 16, seemingly I mean, I, out of nowhere. Yeah, I guess the chances of it not becoming a uh, round, <laughs> the second round not being the group of 16, I guess is possible. So that's probably the reason for differences. But yeah, well, second round. Yeah. Next World Cup is going to be a round of 76, the way it's going, isn't it? I'm not sure I'm happy about that. I don't know. I'm not sure what they're doing there. This that whole groups of three was insane. So I'm glad they seem to be steering away from that. Harder, um, yeah, harder not to get in and get in. I would think at the moment. Yeah, Italy might have a chance this time. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe San Marino will qualify. That'd be something, yeah. wouldn't it? Um. Know. Anyway, we digress already. Um. Round of sixteen, or the second rounds. Big boys mostly getting their own way kind of was the theme. And then we had one shock um, and another one of the minnows, relatively speaking, coming pretty close to put a shootout away. But other than that, it was the big boys imposing their will, more or less. I guess you'd argue it went with form pretty much, didn't it? The two, the close, the close one and the minnow pulled off the, the shock, you know, both won their groups. So... On form, yeah, you're not going to expect Morocco to beat Spain, no matter where you are at any point. But yeah, they've been great throughout this tournament, and um, they're through. But yeah, you know, no huge shocks. Bizarrely, I think um, a bit of mystic Maz last week when asked to predict the one shot that I'd see, uh, I think it was Spain that I predicted. So. Do you know, I said something similar on Twitter. I thought all along, actually, that Spain, they had that, that massive win against Costa Rica and they just seemed to go completely off the boil after that. Like the, you know, the one all we feed Germany, they were in control of that game and then let it let it go. And then, of course, they, they got they got kind of beaten by Japan in their last group game. And, um, you know, Morocco basically didn't um, didn't stand down for anybody. So, yeah, I kind of figured there's a bit of a theme, isn't there, of colonial overlords getting turned over because Tunisia beat France. Of course, that was a, a former colony and Morocco's a, or part of Morocco's a formerly col- former colony of Spain. So a little bit of a uh, geopolitical spin on that one. Um, but yeah, we'll right. come to the it. USA should have done it in the group stage against us as well, shouldn't they? Absolutely. Yeah, well, they almost did, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Was, speaking of the United States, then they, they kicked us off in the, the first game on Saturday. Um, so we had... The Netherlands versus uh, the United States. And um, I mean, it was over fairly quickly, wasn't it? But the first 10 minutes, you know, the US really playing confidently, knocking it about. And you thought, oh, we might have a game on here. And then they just suddenly, the the Frankie de Jong seemingly just kind of turning into trouble, gets out of the press, a couple of passes get played through the midfield. And then suddenly Depay's slotting it in and it was like, oh, wow, they just played through that press so, so easily. And um, then the goal on half time, which was almost identical, pretty much killed it. I feel confidence of the big boys was a big factor um, in this second round. I I feel that the favourites with that bit more experience and that little bit more, I, I want to say class, 
it's not exactly what I mean, but a bit more, shall I say, refined, um, refined players, if you like, just at key moments, weathered storms, and at key moments they just could step it up again. Yeah, and you know, the the first the first match, yeah, w- w- was was another one of those, and I think pretty much most of those matches in the second round you know certainly the uh, <laughs> the first three days i'm not sure about the last day you know you, you saw teams really hanging in there for a bit but the, the moment they went down they, they got a bit lost on what to do and i think it's a shame it's a shame for america because the reaction to it is uh, uh same again that's why no one cares about football and you, you kind of want to see them getting a little bit more behind the team, particularly with it going over there then next time out. But yeah, I mean, I can understand why it's frustrating. You get to that stage each and every time, and you know that's where you fall short. Yeah, where, where we grew up seeing them do that is they've done well to make the the last sixteen. You know, for the states, player for player, at this point in time to be in the last sixteen, they're doing really well. You know. But the Dutch were one of those teams. There was a bit of a question mark over just how good they'd be once they get a bit of a test. And I don't think they got one. You know, they they just... What America did in the midfield against us, they they failed to to do it against the Dutch. And as such, it it ended up a pretty easy day at the office for for the Netherlands. I think the um, the first goal was really crucial because the Dutch were, you know, genuinely just kind of. Um, I mean, maybe they were playing possum a little bit because because the States were were playing it around really really nicely. They are they are a centre forward away from being a really good team. You know, there's no probably a centre forward and a centre back away from being a really good team actually. So yeah, you know, if they if they yeah, I mean, a, a well a world class centre back. And a world-class centre forward, and that's a really good team. I think that's 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 the difference is that you know they sort of they didn't seem to be able to at any point actually even in the group they they couldn't kill teams off. You know they had Wales on the ropes, they couldn't kill them off. You know yeah. in England they had probably had the the better of that game marginally, didn't ever really look like scoring hitting the bar from McKenna's side. And um, and in this game, you know, as soon as they considered that first goal, it was like the air went out of them. Um, you know, as for the Dutch, I think Van Gaal's got really well set up. Um, he's a very experienced tournament manager. He's been to World Cup final already. He knows how this works. You know, he's picked a goalkeeper that nobody had heard of a year ago. He's he's picked, uh, you know, Ake and Timber to play sort of either side of Van Dijk because they're specialist outside centre-backs as opposed to... You know, you think that it, it, you know, if you're just looking at the names on paper, you know that Delict and uh, Devry from Enter would would be shoe-ins, but you know they don't play because they're all competing with Van Dyke for the yeah. The, the, Less the total center, football about them, isn't there? The central centre back, yeah, role. Um, yeah, De Jong, oh, he was terrific against the States. I thought he was just yeah. absolutely running the show. Blint must be the slowest wing back in the history of time <laughs> but yeah. but it kind of works because he's the ball player isn't he? he comes inside and he makes the he makes an extra man in midfield um you know and then obviously Depay and Gakpo have found their shooting boots this world cup and um and Dumfries is he's a terrific player I'd love to see him 
love to see him at the lane. I think we need a right I'd wing love back. To see him so. in North London. I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it, it'd be a step up from from Emerson and. Um, oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, the the curse of the wing back. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean Emerson, neither wing nor back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, really good, really good footballer. Um, no, I enjoyed the game. I thought it was a fun. It was a fun game. That bizarre goal that the US scores. I mean, you, you, you won't see many of them go in. Um, no. No, that was, you know, it, it almost, you know, that shows the margins in knockout football, really. You know, at that point, Dutch was so in control. And, well, he had a really good chance, like, a minute before, didn't he? Yeah. He absolutely fluffed. And then this one kind of came off the back of his heel or something and <laughs> looped in. And then, you know, the pressure suddenly on. But, you know, the Dutch were like, yeah, no, nah, we're not having this. Uh, not in this round, anyway. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, you, I, I love watching watching Dutch football, and uh, you know that was a really good display, a, a tip, typical Dutch display of you know players all over the place. You know, to see Dumfries and Taylor Blind of all people, you know, kind of playing it to each other or across the wings to score goals is kind of mad. But you know. That's that's the thing with the Dutch. Expect those goals to come from where you least expect them to come from. And um, yeah, I don't I don't think you can expect them to come from anywhere less than Daily Blind. But there you go. And just a uh, just a, a moment to appreciate Louis Van Gaal, the uh, the the best quote machine in world football. Uh, I saw one today which was uh, basically responding to Angel Di Maria saying that uh, Van Gaal was the worst manager he'd worked for. And Van Gaal said, well, he's one of very few players that might have that opinion. Um, Memphis went through this with me at Manchester United and now we kiss each other on the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Absolute goat. Also um, very Dutch. Amazing. The uh, the sex masochism quote about about uh, Fellaini at United, like he got his hair pulled and uh, he says in the interview afterwards, uh, only in the sex masochism is that OK? <laughs> just <laughs> tremendous absolutely tremendous um oh so on to argentina versus australia then so um i mean the the this is one way you you look at the respective lineups uh, and you and you think that the aussies talent wise shouldn't have had a prayer but they gave it a really good go i just they have done the whole world cup i mean probably they've won some of the most friends uh, at, at this World Cup, the way that they took it to the French, you know, that 4-1 scoreline was pretty harsh on them. Um, you know, the way they beat the, the Danes, they they just really, really gave it a go and didn't have an inferiority complex at all. So, you know, very creditable. Don't know what to know, don't know what to make of Argentina. Um, it's kind of, you, you kind of look at the players, you think, well, no, it's not just Messi. But then you kind of watch the game and it's like, oh no, it is just Messi. It's probably the way for them to go, I think. Uh, I'll get to uh, Australia in a second, but while we're on, there doesn't seem to be a lot of form in that team, is what I'd say, up front. Uh, Once again, Messi is in a team that does have an abundance of attacking talent around him. However, you know, Martinez is... Is Awful. there some kind of intercurse <laughs> going on here at this tournament? Oh my if you play up front for Inter, you're just going to 
be an absolute jabroni. Well, somebody, <laughs> somebody said to me that um, it shows the, how much Serie A's dropped that Inter dominated Serie A with Lataro and uh, Lukaku up front. Um, I think, I mean, obviously, I'm, I think the thing is, uh, about, about them is I think the Argentine midfield has been really impressive Fernandez looks a lovely player McAllister taking his Brighton form to the national team uh, Rodrigo oh, De Paul like absolutely you know such a great engine you know just kind of pressing all the time um, you know they look solid at the back as well but yeah I mean Alvarez is starting to grow into the tournament Papu Gomez kind of was the other one supporting Messi in that game, I believe that was due to injury. I can't remember who played there in the previous game. Um, oh, Di Maria, of course. So you'd expect Di Maria back as long as he's fit for for the next round. I felt they did miss Di Maria's directness in that in that game a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny they you don't need to be in great form to to get to a tournament final. Sometimes you know you you, you can. Yeah, you can stumble along and they got a fairly fortunate draw in some ways by getting Australia. It could have been Denmark. It could have been us in their group, Tunisia. So, you know. Yeah. Well, um, who you want in form if you want your, your defenders and, and, and your holding midfielders in form. You know, they're in form. If you've got that many good attackers, you know, one of them's going to hit form at the right time or you're going to be really unlucky. And it was an exquisite goal for Messi. Yeah, I mean, you know, Messi turned it on that day. Like I say, he had the pool playing um, enforcer really well. I mean, that, was a, that was a fantastic box-to-box performance by him, I thought. And what what I notice about Argentina is they... Uh, and I noticed this in the Copper as well, is they really feel like a team on a mission that are really together, regardless of how much there is it feels like them against the world and that's a really good you know it, it, it's a really good attitude to have i think in in, in a tournament if you've got a if you've got a, a dressing room that's like that i think that adds a couple of notches to your to your game and i feel they have that about them probably more so than any other team in this tournament right now. yeah they feel like a club team don't they 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 definitely feel like they have that that, that team spirit and there's a, almost a, an understanding that this is Messi's last chance. Um, yeah. So whether that, you know, whether that gets them, you know, gets them through. Kind of, I feel like if the World Cup had come a year earlier, I feel like, I feel like Argentina might have won this quite comfortably. But as it is, they've kind of, yeah, they've yeah. kind of stumbled yeah, into right. a situation where some of the other big boys have woken up. That's it. But, you know, again, it's kind of going back to Spain as well. You, you know, you don't want to peak too early in a tournament like this. That's you know, very true. Yeah. You're banging seven in your first game. There's only one way to go from there. Whereas, you know, losing to Saudi Arabia in your first game is only one way to go from there as well. It's hitting the form at the right time. And right now, you know, it's win three games. That's all it is. There's no gimmies in there anymore, no matter who you are. You might have easier games, you might have harder games, but there's no gimmies at this stage, you know. It, it really could be anything. But, yeah, I mean, just to touch on Australia, big, big fan of that team. You know, I was becoming a, a Suter super fan until I realised who he played for. Um, <laughs> I wonder how long that would take you. <laughs> it was like, oh, I like this guy. Oh, God. Um, 
But uh, do you know what I really like? You know, that Australia team, they've had a much better players over the years. Uh, you know, showing up at World Cups and, you know, uh, you know, making a name. And, and our time back in the day, didn't see Australia in the World Cups. They they didn't get near them. You know, that, they, they were playing off against the South Americans. Yeah, they? they were so hamstrung they, by the, the way they had to qualify. And then they started winning those games against Peru and so on, didn't they? And they started yeah. getting in. And then, of course, they pulled quite a clever political move in the last few years where now they play in the Asian which you know it's, it's fair it's you know it's certainly a lot closer and it's you know I, I feel it's it's more their level to be honest yeah I mean otherwise they're just playing New Zealand and Samoa basically <laughs> yeah you know I mean the argument's over if uh, I'd argue that you know it's a federation a team should get in I guess the argument is but it was going to be Australia every time but yeah, yeah I'm assuming that under this new World Cup, uh, Oceania will definitely get a guaranteed place, which would mean probably New Zealand is going to be the one that that, that gets in like it did in 2010. Yeah, be interesting to uh, interesting to see how that ends up panning out. Yeah, you know, um, um, I, 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 don't, I don't mind a shit team in the World Cup. It, it's, you know, I don't mind a handful of them. It, it's, it's the World Cup. It's, American you know. Samoa, Cook Islands, Fiji, New Caledonia, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, Samoa, Solomon Islands, Tahiti, Tonga or Vanuatu. And uh, can you do it? Well, can you do it on a hot, humid oh, wow. night in Vanuatu? That's the question. At least one will qualify and possibly two, so the second one will play off against one of the North American teams. Right. Well, if I'll tell you what, those North American teams, if they don't get a striker between them, they might be in trouble. Well, but, yeah. Well, so, that, so three obviously, of them qualified automatically. Mm, I, I assume so. Yeah. Um, but that's so it's basically. It's going to be like Honduras back again. Yeah. Well, Concacaf's going to be interesting. I mean, I think one of the Caribbean teams potentially might might qualify again. Nice. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, I bet a few of those are going to be recruiting hard, aren't they? Over and the, the thing that the thing that confuses me is that Conmebol, like the South American like section, there aren't that many countries. So yeah. practically all of South America is going to going to qualify, um, which kind of makes their qualifying section a bit like a bit defunct. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? But we'll get to that in four years' time, maybe. Um, all right, so on to France and Poland. Poland stank out this tournament. Jesus Christ, like probably the worst team to watch in the whole tournament, I thought. Which is, I mean, it's not, I mean, obviously, Ward Lewandowski, like playing in a very leaden team, you know, like basically, like this, the, you know, when Matty Cash is your third best player, I think that probably. <laughs> He yeah. tells you that, that the level isn't great, you know, like 93 year old Camille Glick. And you know, God, and, how, is he uh, still, how is he still playing? Exactly, he, he's got to Glick. be older than Pepe. I can't, yeah, he's older than him. Glicko, he, looks like, he looks like Pepe's granddad, to be fair. Glicko mode and uh, Krakowiak. I mean, I, I don't know how they're uh, also Krakowiak has the cheek to be wearing number 10 as a defensive midfielder, <laughs> which is just horrible, horrible to look at. Oh, um, just, just, don't get me started on this in this world, the game's gone. <laughs> Gamers, gamers, 100%. I blame Galas myself, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 one of the the chief chief culprits. But France um, made heavy weather of it, I thought, in the first half. Actually, 
and Poland was starting to grow into the game. And again, I think that the goal just before half time killed the game really. Giroud scored an excellent, excellent goal, became France's top scorer, although you know, Griezmann and Mbappe are only really just behind him, so uh, I don't think he'll yeah. hold that for a, yeah, for all for, for, for all that long. But after that, France were very, very comfortable. Mbappe swept in a couple of, you know, really, really super finishes. The, the second one in particular was, you know, the goal number three, his second goal was just, you know, ridiculous. The first one, he kind of gave the keeper the eyes and, you know, made Chelsea look like a bit of a fool. But the, the second one, like, nobody was getting near that. Yeah, and Chelsea have been entering a fantastic tournament as well in the group stage, you know. Poland, I think, were by far the worst team to qualify. You know, yeah, they, maybe I not think. player for player, but you know, in terms of performances, I thought their first half they they played really well. Not France really, be me- but they played France a lot Mexico better. would have yeah. been a better game, right? <laughs> I mean, a much better game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but you know, they 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 gave it a good a good go in the first half. But France just you know once once they got in control, they were strong and just looked absolutely devastating. They got their tails up, and I thought Griezmann was absolutely sublime in that game. Yeah, no, you know, Obviously, M- M- Mbappe will take the plaudits for being so absolutely dangerous and just exceptional. But, I mean, Griezmann... Griezmann was everywhere. Yeah, his like, work rate Him playing in that kind of... somewhere between an 8 and a 10... <laughs> Kind of, but he's dropping back and playing sweeper at points. You know that 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 third goal, it, he played that ball out to Giroud from the edge of his six-yard box. It's just they've got an insane number of players, and you know, I know everyone's talked about how many players they've had injured. In a way, I think it probably helps them. Yeah, they've got a much more settled eleven than they might yeah. otherwise have had. Um, I, I I think they suffered in the in in the Euros for having Benzema back because as great as he is, in for Giroud, he could do a lot more than Giroud in that place. But Giroud's role is a very clear one, and it's one that's working really really well. Yeah, well that you know, it's one that Mbappe and Griezmann can really play well off, whereas. You know, you put Ben Zimmer in there and he's an exceptional player, arguably the best player in that team. Yet it, it changes things up. Yeah, I think I think, you know, uh, Mbappe was a record in the summer saying that he he uh, was annoyed at PSG for not signing a target man for him to play off yeah. because he plays best of a target man. And it's true, like. You know, Mbappe basically is able to get a lot more space. Giroud is very intelligent. He moves defenders around and it and it allows Mbappe the, the space to play. So Griezmann, his work rate is just brilliant. He's a weird few years, Griezmann, doesn't he? It's very odd that didn't work out at Barca. Oh, they load him back to... Load him back to Atleti. I mean, well, let's not forget the decision one and decision two videos. That's like... <laughs> most bizarre you know truly bizarre like he loves his basketball doesn't he so he tried to do like the LeBron James decision thing and it just you know he looked like someone had been taken hostage by ISIS like kind of giving a 
I mean, he's clearly an absolute bellend, isn't he? A picturesque <laughs> interview. But he, he, having had to do this bizarre, only getting subbed on for half an hour a game so that <laughs> Athletic didn't have to pay Barca. Like, uh, since he's done that, I don't know, but he seems to rediscover something of, of of himself. And I think there's also something to be said for the fact that he doesn't have to be the main man anymore. Like, up yeah. to Euro 16, he was carrying France. And, like, that home Euros, they got to the final against Portugal and they blew it. Um, and it was just after he had lost a couple of uh, Champions League finals as well for Atleti. And, you know, actually him being the kind of sidekick I think it's been good for him like you know Mbappe is the one that everyone's looking to now and, and it just allows Griezmann just to play pressure off yeah absolutely um, and, and he's been you know, he's been fantastic yeah I mean like I say you you're not expecting that level of movement in a team that's that good from a player that has that kind of reputation you know as a as a forward it's not what you expect when you when you're tuning in and he's absolutely everywhere he's covering every single part of that midfield and not just through the center as well he's drifting out wide he's drifting he's drifting out left right he's just literally everywhere yeah and absolutely that's going to be dangerous you know uh, as much as uh, you know we're, we're going to talk about bellingham and stuff like that at, at this point he's still a young lad and you know right now I mean, we should say it's that it's going to be a tough matchup. She said it's too many. Uh, is a boy really, uh, and he has he's been fantastic in yeah. you know in the engine room for France. Rabiot as well. I mean, I've always thought Rabiot flat to deceive a lot of the time, but he's been very very it? impressive. Like as a ball carrier, he's very very impressive. Dangerous set pieces as well. So yeah, interesting, interesting times. So on to England then. Um, you know, a, a very, very difficult first 37 minutes where easily we could have been two 0 down. Um, Senegal were playing very well, um, and then it's, you know, it was funny. It was literally like watching. It was like watching Spurs. You know, we, <laughs> as soon as you get the, as soon as you get the cane dropping into midfield. And um, and picking out, I mean, obviously it wasn't it uh, wasn't Son in this case. It was obviously Bellingham. But but you know, once you kind of get that that kind of hook up going, and he and, and Bellingham lays it on for Henderson, and it it, it just from that point onwards, um, you know, the the second goal came not long afterwards. It's nice to see Kane get his seventh goal in World Cups altogether. So. If he gets three more this World Cup, that brings him level with uh, with Gary Lineker, which is kind of uh, an interesting one. That'd be, you know, essentially that if he does that, if he does manage to score three more goals, then um, you know that'll be the same as Lineker's record: six in his first World Cup, four in his second. Um, so remains to be seen what that happens, but it's good to see how he get on the score sheet. And of course, like Saka uh, gets a classic winger's goal. Uh, in at the back post um, thought everybody was excellent Maguire and Stones a bit nervy early on um, Maguire got the given the run around by by Dia and Sarah a little bit um, which doesn't necessarily bode well for Mbappe and Griezmann it must be said yeah um, and um, you know but really it was all about Bellingham Foden wasn't it 
yeah, I mean, it was that the first half an hour. It, I feel a bit. So I, I I think that the you know the pressure on Stones and and, and Maguire was a bit of the problem that you know they were having to step out with the ball. They they were trying to create. If it was almost as if no one was coming to collect it in midfield. So you know that's why I think Harry coming back kind of kind of changed it because it, it it was literally like you know Stones and Maguire stepping up for that first half hour and having nowhere to go. So they're trying these long passes, which obviously aren't aren't hitting most of the time. You know I, I feel the midfield really weren't stamping their authority on the game in that first half an hour. You know you you saw. Bellingham and um, Henderson almost um, almost going outside the wingers a lot of the time uh, and moving that way, but they weren't coming to get the ball. And those are the types of players you want to get the ball um, to make the play. But you know, as soon as we scored a goal, you know, game changed and we were purring. It was it was fantastic. Bellingham took absolute control. Uh, that first half an hour was very similar to the USA game that we just got run over, really, and, and no one was giving us much of an option from midfield. We certainly can't do that against France. They're going to have to be absolutely present. I think they'll certainly be ball. I can't see us doing anything other than the same starting eleven against France. Um, I mean, Southgate is so horses for courses. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it, it's going to... I think it will. I think it will. I think it will be the it will be the same back seven. Yeah, but up front he might change a bit. Yeah, it's like it depends. Does he think that because you know France don't have the best the best situation at right back? You know, playing kind of Kounde out of position there. Does he think okay? Well, that's the case for Rashford over Foden. I mean, I guess, I guess, or even if he just kind of goes super wild card and goes, well, you know, maybe Grealish can win us some fouls around the box or something. But yeah, or even the fact that Sterling is, you know, he's has flown back into the camp and you know how much in a oh, big yeah. game Southgate trusts Sterling. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I definitely think that, yeah, the midfield and the back four is, is, is going to pick itself now. Um, I mean, I, I hope. I hope ne- <laughs> never to catch the sight of Mason Mount in English shirt again. But I mean, I feel like that might be a hope too many. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of people were why on earth is Jordan Henderson starting? And, and Henderson rolled back the years. And that was a, a Liverpool yeah. of two years ago, Jordan Henderson performance. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people were acting like he's, com- like he's kind of some, you know, washed end of career hack but actually you know he's he's got a lot of football left in him, Jordan Henderson I thought he, yeah, he I thought he plays really well an experienced head and that could be very key in a game like this you know I what I like about Henderson in there is this, if we've got to double pivot and we've got to play a bit defensively it gives it gives Bellingham a bit more freedom you know what you don't want is Bellingham having to sit back and defend all game you know, yeah, yeah. after that performance. So, you know, I'd rather see a, a, a Henderson in there than a more attacking player if it gives gives us that move. You know, I mean, Phillips is is, is still there, and he proved during the Euros that that him and uh, him and Rice together work well. You know, so 
I wouldn't be overly upset with that. But, you know, what I don't want to see is Mason Mount back in there in that position. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, it made sense against Iran because obviously, like, you expected them to defend in a deep block. And so an extra 10 in them made sense. You know, Bellingham and Mount and that game are basically both playing as 10s. But, yeah, no, it, it, I think against against France, you're going to want to, you know, I mean, you're going to want to kind of lock down that, that well, our right-hand side, the French left-hand side. And so if you've got Henson and Walker not necessarily straying too far from where Mbappe is, then yeah. probably that makes it. And also Saka I, I think Saka with his defensive work rate. Over someone yeah. like, yeah, over, over a, a Rashford. Yeah, and I think I think Rashford will work. I think Rashford could certainly call himself unlucky not to be in the starting lineup at this stage. But I think players like Grealish and Rashford coming on late game against tired defenders in a tournament setting uh, at worst going to win quite a few free kicks well, with their Grealish pace and their cunning. Yeah, well, what's what Grealish does for City a lot is he, you know, he obviously is 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 such a good dribbler that he does. I think he's, he was the most foul player in the Premier League a couple of years ago. Um, but funny enough, I, I was looking at, uh, weirdly, I don't know how I came across this, but stats for most fouled players at World Cups. And Maradona is out there on his own. So he's got the top the yeah. top three most fouled World Cups. So uh, <laughs> when they won it in 86, it was 50-something. Uh, 90 was 50. And then 82, and they didn't get out of the second group stage, was, uh, was, was, was in the, the late 40s. So uh, yeah, and then like the next one down is like thirty something, and it so he probably won it just against Cameroon in ninety. To be fair, yeah, Tunisia got a bit of tap in that game, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's um going to be really interesting. I think Foden and Bellingham have developed a little bit of a, a relationship on that left hand side as well, and obviously they can interchange. Both very very comfortable with the ball. It, it's interesting, like you. I mean, there there aren't many like memorable standout. I will always remember this performance, England player performances in the, the you know the last twenty years, really. But because a lot of them have been real team collective efforts. Certainly under Southgate, it's not an really individual thing, is it? It's been a collective. But that was like Rooney against Croatia in 2004. It was like Beckham against Greece in 2001. It was, you know, like Lineker against Poland in 1986. It was a a performance that, you know, you will remember where you were when Bellingham played that game. A kid putting himself, you know, not that he is not already very, very highly rated, but that's him showing the world. Yeah, this is me. I mean, Dortmund's essentially counting counting money you know with, yeah. uh, at, at, at this point you know it's like stonks going up and I it's mean, so strange but, at this time of year there's a few play you know you always see that at the world cup where where players come through but there, there are a few kids out here but with it being this time of year it, it's even more so a lot of the time these guys go and have a great world cup and they've already already had their move signed but yeah the money going up on a few players during this tournament is is crazy yeah, yeah, I think I think Dortmund are going to be very, very happy on the return on their investment, really. Okay, so on to well, the battle of the dark horses, Croatia perpetual dark horses, of course. And you always forget, don't you, that that this is a team ultimately which is 
still full of World Cup finalists, you know, Brozovic, Modric, Parasic, you know, Kramaric, um, yeah. Lovren. I mean, not that I put Lovren with any of those people, colour-wise. <laughs> um, Kovacic, like... Um, he was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Lovren, Lovren got his, got his, you know, he got his medal. Um, but, but that experience pulled them through. And, you know, even though they're going on to play Brazil... You never, I mean, it's almost like the old German teams, Croatia, you just don't write them off because they got so much tournament experience. They can control a game. They can kill a game. They can, you know, they can always create. They can put some passes together. And you know what? Like, Brazil won't be too thrilled about getting Croatia in the next round because if Croatia choose to play their very, you know, pass you know, pass happy triangles, keep the ball a little bit, frustrate Brazil. Well, I would not be terribly surprised if Croatia pulled the upset in the next round. But Japan, obviously, I mean, I I really do think that either Japan or South Korea is going to make a semi-final or a final in the next 12 years um, or so. Clearly lots of really, really good players. I think 20 of their squad play in Europe. Now they've been an absolute breath of fresh air, played every game as if it was their last, um, gave it everything. And unfortunately, they just couldn't take penalties at the end there. No, I mean, those penalties were absolutely shocking, weren't they? But, you know, what a pleasure it was to watch Japan in this tournament. You know, by no means, you know, you see teams in World Cups, inevitably every World Cup, you're going to have a big underdog boot the shit out of someone, like really grind it out, ride their luck and get a win against the big boy. It'll happen every single World Cup. Japan beat Spain and Germany on absolute merit. Fantastic, fantastic team to watch. Really fun, energetic, intricate, fast playing football. You know, they find those passes. They've got a lot of clever, clever footballers in attacking areas. And an absolute joy to watch. I, I think the occasion o- overcame them. I think when Perisic got that header in, I, I think they just lost their confidence. And I, I have no doubt what got Croatia through that semi-final, that got to the quarterfinals was was experience. The experience yeah, of going through that again and again. Essentially, what happened, what happened to Japan is what they did when they equalised against Germany and Spain. You know, they just kind of, like, what do we do now then? And they kind of just, the game became nothing after that equaliser, pretty much. They they just sat in and like, right, we've got to try, try and get to penalties. Yeah, they, you know, they make, you know, Croatia make you chase. Uh, I think they do that. They did it to England in the semi-final of the of the 2018 World Cup. You know, like when they decide they're gonna ping it about, you think on their midfield. You know, when you've got Modric, Brozovic, Kovacic in the middle of of the park, and then you you've got Perisic kind of you know coming inside off the wing. I mean, you won't find four better technical footballers anywhere. Um, and that's it, isn't it? I mean, that's always been, you know a big big part of Croatian football since they've been Croatia and you know 
was arguably exactly what Yugoslavia were before them, you know. Um, and they've just got so... They've got a conveyor belt of those technically gifted, talented midfielders that just aren't going to give that ball away for absolutely anything in the world. And if you give them a run, they're going to find you. Yeah. And uh, they, yeah, you know, that, that that's their strength. They're not... They're a technician's team, aren't they? They're, they're not an exciting... How to put this, you know, they're not a team that's got full of pace and full of insane mad skills up front. They're controlling it from, from the middle. And they're controlling it at their own pace. And that is why Modric at 37 is still able to do it at that level. You know, more so that, that, than other players around him because He's, he doesn't he need to looks, run around. Yeah. He, he, lo- he still looks like he did when I, when I first saw him play for Spurs when he was, you know, in his early 20s. He, he just looks, he just looks the same. He's ageless. Um, yeah, what a, what a player he has been. Um, I think probably when, you know, you kind of look back at the kind of, you know, period from 2006 to 2022, it's like, Modric will be one of those players that that everybody looks back and says like, my goodness, you know what a, what a brilliant player. And you know, it's from a sentimental point of view, you know, Modric, one of my very favourite Spurs players ever. Perisic, been one of my favourite players for many years. Now does play for Spurs. Like I'd finally I'd, one that don't join Arsenal. Yeah, I'd love to see him. I'd love to see them. Uh, yeah. It's, it is the last dance, you know. Let's see them get all the way. I'd love to. I'd love to see it. Um, okay, so on to Brazil, who obviously going to be meeting Croatia. They blew South Korea away within the first 29 minutes, uh, realistically speaking, and then of course they got a fourth one. Probably could have scored three or four more. Um, South Korea gave it a real good go in the second half and um, and pulled one back deservedly so I thought won the second um, half yes <laughs> um, but yeah I mean Brazil Brazil did did blow away now it's so difficult to know how good Brazil are though because South Korea was mm. so naive in how they approached that game they you know they essentially were leaving themselves three v three against Brazil's attackers which just just seemed like well, it was suicide ultimately, wasn't it? And I think once Vinicius scores that very clever finish, seven minutes in, and then they kind of that never never a pen on Neymar, by the way. Having said that, and then the third one for Charleston was just, I mean, incredible, really. That Marquinhos and Thiago Silva were playing, basically playing Modric passes in the <laughs> the opposition half. Yeah. Um, that that goal was outlandish, and the Paqueta one was a great team move as well, but. Hard to know for me if Brazil are any good or not because they've not played anybody that was any good. Yeah, I don't think South Korea have been very good this tournament. I, I think they can count themselves very lucky they got through. Um, I didn't watch their game against Portugal. I was watching the other game, but Uruguay were poor in that tournament until that last game and, and, and threw everything at it. Ghana were really good in that tournament before that last game and just kind of fell apart after they missed the penalty. I can't help but feel both Ghana and Uruguay would have given would have given Brazil a better game than, than South Korea on that on that day. I can't help but feel that both of them were better teams in that tournament, and you know they got through courtesy of beating Portugal. As funny as it was, because it 
it, it, it costs Uruguay and we get to see Suarez quite, so I wouldn't take it back for anything else, but I, I do feel <laughs> I do feel Uruguay would have at least booted Neymar the moment he started to do a dance after a goal. They wouldn't have had that, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame uh, Sonny wasn't himself this World Cup, obviously playing with the mask on and, and you know, it's good for Spurs that they're out now because he gets to go and, and rest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're gonna, of course. We're going to need him. But I thought Huang was fantastic in the Portugal game um, and then was fantastic again here. I mean, if you were a Wolves... in the second half, didn't he? If you were yeah. a Wolves fan, you'd be quite excited about what Lopetegui potentially could do with him because, you know, he's obviously had his moments at Wolves. He's flashed, but he's kind of been in and out. But maybe, I mean, like, he seems like a very Lopetegui player. So, yeah, I mean, that could be interesting for Wolves because he seems to have hit, hit a run of form there. They, they um, need something, don't they? <laughs> they certainly do. Uh, yeah, Brazil, I, I just find it really difficult to know. Like, I know everyone got very excited about that game, but they were playing at a I mean, essentially, it's a bit like uh, when like a Blackpool come up to the Premier League and just kind of play really open and get relegated, but win a lot of friends, but but ultimately kind of go down because they weren't pragmatic enough. And I think South Korea kind of fell into that trap. So it's hard to know. After the Croatia game, I think we'll know if Brazil are any good. Yeah, Croatia I, will, I think that's key. We'll, we'll I, give them a game. You can only beat what's in front of you, and they did that comprehensively in that first half, and they didn't need to in the second half. The same way they didn't need to to beat Cameroon, and they lost that. For me, for what I've seen, I think France and England are by far away the best teams in this tournament so far. But you know what Brazil and Portugal have done in this in in this second round have certainly turned some heads, and I mean. The, the quality of the opponent is always always out there and the fact is a lot of the time you can throw form out the window when you've got two big juggernauts clashing once you get to the last date or the last four of a world cup it's a it's a totally different type of game the dancing it is is no longer key to that game you know that that that's not there you've got you've got to be a really good team now and i think it's certainly easier. I'd say the next games, if you're Brazil, would you rather be playing Croatia than in England or France at this point? Probably. Would you rather be playing them than Argentina or Netherlands? Probably. It's interesting. But I, uh, it's still going to be a big test. You know? yeah, yeah, I feel like Croatia are a decent match stylistically for Brazil. Uh, yeah, they're not going to have it all their way in midfield, that's for sure. You know, hundred percent not. I mean, particularly as they're playing Casemiro and Paqueta. I mean, Casemiro, for all of his all of his qualities, you know, is not he's not a technically technically gifted player, and Paqueta could find himself looking a bit lightweight in there. Yeah, it's easy to see Brazil's two being outnumbered by Croatia's three. I don't know. It's an interesting one. Although what they have helping them out at that point. Yeah, Croatia's sort of. I mean, obviously they've got. I mean, the thing is, Croatia as well. Probably got the best young centre half in the tournament. I mean, Gvardiol. Like, I mean, goodness me, he he needs to go to a a top Premier League club at some point. He's gonna he's gonna be a really good player. I don't think that that's another one of those that that he he's uh, putting a few few quid on his um, on his asking price at the moment. 
Absolutely. So uh, on to the big shock then, which is Morocco and, uh, and Spain. And I mean, we say big shock, but I, I mean, I, I had a, I mean, I should say you, you had a feeling about it. I had a feeling about it. And, and, I, and I think my pre-tournament thought on Spain would have been exactly this, that God, they're a lovely team to watch, but they've got, they, they can really suffer from a lack of cutting edge. And I looked a bit silly after game one because they went and won seven, you know, seven nil, but was it seven one? Yeah. You know, they scored yeah. seven goals and looked imperious. And then, the, you know, Murata scores that lovely goal against Germany as well. And you think, oh, OK, maybe they do have a cutting edge. But it's so confusing to me that having shown that they played much better with Murata, they didn't then play Murata. Like Asensio, I, don't, I mean, I, yeah. he is, I mean, Asensio to me is a player that, that is, you know, a level below. I, I, I understand that, um, you know, Enrique trusts him, but he... I, he doesn't, get, yeah, he, he doesn't get that many games for Madrid, never mind. That's probably why he trusts him. He's probably Spain, bad like, on the inside. But um, yeah, I yeah, I just find I mean Ferran Torres is the weirdest, weirdest player, like didn't work out at City really. Danny Olmo, like, again, good technically, but like you know, I don't know, it's weird because Red Bull play very much in transition and he's here playing for Spain in playing one and two touch football. I just feel like the balance is all wrong. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, this isn't anything new for Spain, is it? Not having the striker they want. And if they do, they don't want to play him. It's weird, Spain, isn't it? It's like players in every single position are all these technical geniuses. Yeah, all all their forwards are absolute donkeys. And again, Morata, I said this during the game, Morata is one of those players... When he's playing, you think he should be. And when he is, you think he shouldn't be. And that sums up that game for me. It's like you looked early on and you're thinking they need Murata. Then Murata came on and it was like, OK, we'll do something. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, why why Biscuits is playing at, you know, I mean, like obviously being a brilliant footballer, but I feel this was a tournament too many for him. And actually, if, I mean, I know, like, if Pete was here, he loves his themes. The theme of tournament for me has been a lot of great players that went one tournament too many. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, know, you want Rodri in there now, don't you? That's where you I want mean, Rodri, not playing makeshifts out of half. Exactly. I mean, like, so it, you think about it, like, Busquets, um, if if we look at, uh, you know, Suarez, Cavani, Ronaldo, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of players who were great, great players that have maybe just gone one tournament too many and it was a little bit yeah. sad to see them in that state. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just not there. And, you know, the thing is, all the potential in the world that Gavi and Pedri have got, they're not Iniesta and, and Xavi yet, not anywhere close. They have all the potential in the world. But those two got there. They were there. By the time they were doing it on the world stage, they were made. You know, they, well, they, they didn't I mean, look like a couple of couple of fifteen year olds. And they well, don't, excellent. Don't, I mean, but, don't don't forget that two thousand six Spain went out pretty early on, and that was Iniesta and 
I mean, so essentially, this is this is Gavi and Pedri's tw- yeah, World Cup 2006, yeah. or you know, like, and then two years later, of course, they won the Euros, and then they just never stopped winning things after that. So, yeah, I mean, Gavi and Pedri both had outrageously good group stages. They're going to need these growing pains. I feel like the balance around them was wrong. Jordi Alba is past his best. Lorente is one of those utility players. You know, he's kind of like the Spanish Steve Nichol, hasn't he? Played everywhere <laughs> except goalkeeper. Um, Luis Enrique is what he is. I mean, Luis, uh, Luis, Luis Enrique was like the Marks and Spencer Steve Nichol. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, I just, I, I, you know, he's one of those players, Llorente, it's a bit like, you know, you're not a right back, you're not a midfielder. When Simeone was in full shithouse mode, he used to play him centre forward just to basically be a frontline presser. Yeah. But he's, I mean, he's kind of jack of all trades, master of none. So I feel like the balance, as you say, Rodri yeah, should be playing that defensive midfield position. Yeah, I've, I've be, the, the balance they was They don't wrong. have the centre backs as well. You know, that that is the thing that those great Spanish team had. They had fucking Voldemort being master of the dark arts back there and letting your little technicals, you know, and Busquets in his prime sitting. They would do all the dirty work, but let all the technical wizards do what they needed to do. And, you know, the whole false nine thing was always a thing that, you know, they had Villa, they had... Uh, they had Torres, you know, they had players like that that were always coming in, and it, it, even guys like um, Pedro would, would pop up with lots of goals from the flanks and, and be very dangerous. And I feel that that centre and midfield looks, the future looks bright for Spain. I'm not sure how much around it does. I mean, obviously, if he wasn't injured, Ansu Fati would have been one of. The, I mean, actually, he wasn't injured, was he? He was, he was on the bench. So, I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, I, you you would think that that, that Fatty would be a a shoe in, really. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Inaki Williams's brother, he, he just looks like a kind of, he just looks like Great another. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, a, a, another um, exciting Adama Traore, yeah. you know, yeah. like I don't know. There's, there's, I mean, I mean, this is the problem that Germany have got as well, though, is that you know they they've churned out lots of technically gifted eights and tens but no centre forwards and no centre halves and, and that's, they, should, they should never have given Wenger a role in FIFA seriously uh, but that's, that's I mean essentially like that's 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 the problem for Germany that's the problem for Spain um, and to a lesser degree when Kane retires it's probably going to be a problem for England could be, um, could be. you know because this is the thing is that now Football is a hothouse in these academies. And so you end up with, you know, you look at City, they've got Phil Foden, they've got Cole Palmer, they've got a load of other sort of, you know, Jaden Sancho came through there. They've got all these other, like, number 10s, like, coming out of their ears. But... Yeah, technicals and wides, but no big, you know, you, you need a Harry Suter, uh, well, like, almost, academy for football. Like, uh, well, it's, big it's number almost, sixes uh, and, number, and number nines who can... <laughs> The nines, though, I mean, the interesting thing about the number nines is they all seem to come from out of nowhere. Like Harry yeah. Kane, for example, nobody thought he was going to make it. He, he went to Mill, he went to Norwich, he went to Leicester, you know, like, and then he got his chance the first team and he took it and he and he, and he kept scoring. You know, Lewandowski was playing in the Polish second division. He went, to, you know, he goes to Dortmund, nobody knows about him and he becomes a world-class centre-forward. How's your ruse, like, maturing with age? Yeah, I mean they do. They, the older he gets, they do do seem to like have that. I mean, I mean, I guess the difference is 
I mean, what'd be quite interesting to see, like, if the Haaland Nunez type players make the kids wanna be a nine again. Could be. Could be. You know, like that that might be the next big thing that happens because as Messi and Ronaldo of course being these kind of, you know, multifaceted mm. forward players. And so then after that, what becomes fashionable is multifaceted forward players. But if Haaland keeps going the way that he is and kids are like, no, I just want to score goals, then we might see a bit of a a bit of a return to uh yeah, to the traditional nine. But Football is cyclical, isn't it? We all know but, that. But you know, all, all you need is that one special talent with one special skill set, you know, and it and it's there. Haaland could have come from any country in the world. He came from Norway, poor sod. But I think he's been. Uh, I mean, he might as well have been grown in a lab. Like my God. Yeah, exactly. But you know, if he was, if he was English, if he was French, if he was pretty much any semi-big country in the world, you'd be like, blimey. Right. Yeah. We're going to win a World Cup with this guy. Yeah. And I mean, I can't believe Norway didn't qualify for this one, to be honest. They really should have done with the players oh, they have. Yeah. That, it's coming, isn't it? Odegaard's purring for Arsenal now. With, 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 you just look at what Odegaard's yeah. done for Arsenal and thinking he's got that up front. Harland, like, oh, Harland and Sola up front. You know, they I mean, they, they've got. They've got good players all over, really. I mean, they've got some good, some good defenders as well. So it'll be interesting but, to you see. Know, it's Euro- European qualification, isn't it? You know, European champions yeah, didn't qualify, so. Oh yeah, well, as we said, next World Cup, I think. You know, you have to be try, try quite hard not to qualify. Um, <laughs> yeah. So just yeah, obviously just the word of Morocco, uh, unbelievable performance this World Cup, and obviously when you look down their team, you know, Bunu is is yeah is you know playing for a. Play for a big side in Spain, you know, Hakimi obviously plays for PSG, Aguard at West Ham, Sice used to play for Wolves, Masrawi at Bayern, Amrabat, uh, again, Amrabat played, was amazing in that game. Fantastic. Played in the Premier League, Ziyech with Chelsea, um, so, you know, Buffal at Southampton. So, look, they've, they've, you know, actually player for player, they should have been seen as the best African team. I'm not quite sure where they weren't now we look back. And yeah. they play for each other they've got you know they've got a great manager they have a lot of you know a lot of skill great set pieces Ziyech is back to his best I think that probably quite nice for Graham Potter to watch this he'll you know be be kind of thinking okay right maybe he is part of my plans yeah or certainly he's he's certainly putting himself in the shop window if not you know it's someone's gonna snap that up because he is Fantastic, Darren. I'm not sure why it's not really worked out for him at Chelsea because he seems to have everything you, you, you'd think would work, but yeah, sometimes it just doesn't work, does it? But um, and of course Hakimi from Madrid, but Moroccan. Obviously, again, there's like colonial connection between Morocco and Spain, and uh, he scored the winning penalty with with a penenka. I mean, yeah, that was cold as ice, wasn't it? It was, but you know, it, it was. It, it was bizarre watching that, that shootout. It was almost the exact opposite of the japan Croatia shootout, where the more experienced team, like, that might not be right, the more experienced team, but, you know, certainly the bigger team, you looked at them before they were taking it. You know, you looked at the Japanese before they were taking their penalties and you didn't fancy them as they were stepping up. And you felt the same with the Spanish, whereas, you know, the Moroccans looked absolutely ice cold walking up there all of them except the center half who missed i'm not sure why you bring a center half off the bench to take a penalty and well unless it was dave watson yeah 
Um, but they looked 100% in control and, and Bunu's made himself an absolute legend of the game. You know, you know how keepers are, particularly in the World Cup. You know, you have one great World Cup yeah. game or a couple, and you're a legend forever, aren't you? Well, that's the thing. I mean, also, I mean, Sevilla, obviously, a good team, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, potentially, potentially, he's got an 84 card in FIFA, and even bigger. Uh, I pack it every week, so yeah. <laughs> well, don't don't we all? <laughs> um, okay, so final game of the group stage. Now, I had a uh, well, it was my end of term leadership team meal on uh tuesday evening and so I, I i sort of got home when this game was almost over when it was like 5-1 and i was like what is going on here like have switzerland has been really bad or have portugal been really good and i believe from watching the highlights the uh the, the truth is somewhere in the middle yeah i wouldn't even say somewhere in the middle it was both i mean i think now, what's happened behind the scenes in Portugal, you know, I think it's big that they're not speaking out of class over what actually has gone on there. You know, the rumour is that Ronaldo's reaction to getting subbed in, in, in the previous game was what, what was behind it. But it whatever it was, it worked a charm. And you feel, you know, for all my Ronaldo hate, there's n- absolutely no doubt that he's an absolute megastar of a footballer to be the second best footballer in the Messi era is huge <laughs> always afraid a little dig but seriously he's for years and years and years and years and years has been there or thereabouts as the best footballer in the world and by there or thereabouts I mean either a little bit better than Messi or a little bit worse than Messi or that that one year where I'll tell you Iniesta was better than him as well. Um, but there comes a point, and, you know, United fans will know, <laughs> will be 100% on board with this, where, you know, he becomes a, not a liability, but having him there, you know, when you have a player of that stature and that name, you kind of need to build around him. So to make the decision to say, no, I'm going to play this guy in this game, whether that's because he's done something to annoy the manager or just whether it's looking at things and the defeat that they had against South Korea has has made him rethink things. I don't know. Could not tell you. But, you know, it's the type of thing that if Switzerland had gone out there and beaten, it's a career ender. He goes. I have no doubt about it at that point. You drop Ronaldo and you lose to Switzerland, you're gone. But they came out of the blocks and they just tore them away. This kid who I've never even heard of has just come out and made himself an absolute superstar on the one night. And that's that's what World Cups are for. That's the magic of the World Cup. A player you've never seen before come in and take the place of Cristiano Ronaldo and score a hat-trick in a World Cup knockout stage. That's magic. And, you know, we aren't talking tap-ins here. He was absolutely fantastic. I said, you know, after the group stage games that I feel Ronaldo, if Ronaldo had this squad of players around him, you know, four or eight years ago, I think they could have won the World Cup. Well, they won the Euros, of course. Well, they they won the Euros. Yeah, they won the Euros. But I feel that, you know, that, that level, level of quality, 
level of quality players they have in that that Portugal team, and Portugal have always had very good players and and lots of very good players at that. But I don't think I've ever seen a Portugal team with this many good players throughout. And on top of that, you've still got Pepe, who absolute master of the dark arts, and and still got it. And around him, guys like like Bernardo, guys like uh, Fernandes. You've got Liao, who who can't even get start. <laughs> you know. Who, who's been on fire for Milan? You, you, you've got Cancelo, who, who was also dropped for, for Dallo. So you know, it, it's uh, another one for the United fans, the ones that have turned on Ronaldo anyway, <laughs> to, to kind of like there. But you know, they they've got a lot of very very good players in that team, front to back. I mean, yeah, I, I think Ronaldo being dropped. I think one of the important things about it is that. You know, if you watched Bruno Fernandes for United before Ronaldo arrived, you know, he was the leader, the spiritual Amen. leader. Yeah. He, you know, within played, two games of joining, pretty much had become yeah. like, you know, the main man. He played with so much responsibility and so much, he was so inspirational to that team. And yeah, like they were the Solskjaer team, they played on the counter and obviously like his skill set naturally like Fernandes is very good in transition I don't think you really want to you know if you are trying to play a possession game I don't think Fernandes is your man but if you want someone that's going to be a number 10 that scores goals and gets assists and gets on the end of things and he is that man but you know he seemed to visibly shrink when he played for Ronaldo both at Portugal level and when when Ronaldo pitched up back at Old Trafford um, Felix what a what a lovely player but looks so much lesser when Ronaldo's in the team and you saw the other night you know Felix is all flicks and tricks and uh, it was like watching Kaka do you know what I mean like you've often yeah. sort of thought to yourself like what could Felix be if he actually kind of unlocked his talent and it kind of came to me like you know that's the nearest equivalent to how he plays is Kaka you yeah, know I running with that, the ball and sliding he's got that you know, elegance he's got the tricks he, yeah yeah, I it, see that. It's sliding a ball in the way that, you know, and, and that is really exciting. Of course, you know, young Ramos, I mean, I, I know that a lot of teams were sniffing around him for this World Cup. And as you say, the price tag just went up <laughs> quite a yeah. lot. Um, Benfica speed. Well, yeah. ben, Benfica's just, just, you know, got a large amount of money for, from Liverpool for, for Darwin Nunez. And uh, I, I think that. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Liverpool went back there and <laughs> got him as well. <laughs> Someone's going there, aren't they? For sure. Yeah, it's going to be... I, I, I do actually see Arsenal going to spend a mad amount of cash on, on, on someone with not a great deal of uh, of sure thing right now with... Um, with Jesus. With Jesus having surgery and, and the position we're in. I, I feel the board <laughs> could make a, another Pepe time signing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, yeah, I mean, off topic, but I don't know. I'd be tempted to stick Eddie up there and see, see, see. You know, he's got that relationship with Saka. Yeah, certainly for now. Stick I'd it, absolutely be. stick it up there, or you know, go really mad, mad, and sort of if he's back from injury, play Smith Rowe as a false nine or something. You know. Yeah, I mean, we've, um, we've got we've got the kid Balogun um, on loan yeah. at the moment as well, and he's doing well out there as well by all accounts. So. Yeah, that that it's going to be. Send, send a few quid, quid to Turkey and get Enna Valencia in. He, he's he's had a good World <laughs> Cup. Get yeah, Özil back while you're at it. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm sure he misses the bubble tea in Soho. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, right, we are we're we're sort of we've, we're at the end of the second round games now. So I guess let's just run through uh, the the quarterfinal lineup. So, you know, we start with uh, Croatia v Brazil. That's the uh, the first game, uh, and then of course following that it's gonna be it's the uh, the Dutch and uh, yeah Argentina, and Argentina. Yeah. yeah and of course England v France uh, follows that and then finally um, must be Brazil and I Croatia. think we're the evening game aren't we so oh yeah, right, it'll right, right, be yeah. Portugal Portugal uh, Morocco so it's Portugal Morocco Friday or Saturday that's the question no, yeah, so it's Croatia, Brazil first, then Netherlands, Argentina on Friday, yeah. and then Portugal, Morocco, early game on Saturday, and England, France. Very good. So, yeah, some exciting games to come, hopefully. Um, yeah, I mean, two with strong favourites, I'd say. Two that, on paper, are a lot closer. I don't know. I, I I feel like the Dutch. I feel like the Dutch will beat Argentina. I think I feel quite strongly that the Dutch will beat Argentina. Yeah. I don't know. Like England, France. I wouldn't be surprised if England lead, and then it's what happens after that, because the pattern in Southgate's other games has been been to sort of take the foot off the accelerator. Mm. You know, the the Italy yeah, game is a classic yeah. example of that. Uh, and then you kind of let let the opposition back into it by kind of like retreating back. So yeah, that's gonna. I think it's all gonna depend on what happens if England go in front. It's like, do you go for the kill or? I, 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 don't... I feel it's big. I, I I feel substitutions could be big for us in this game. I, I feel the right subs at the right time could win it for us. Um, Brazil, Croatia. I, I feel like I don't know. I feel like I've pinned myself to Croatia upset now. <laughs> so I almost feel like spiritually, spiritually kind of like obliged to, to kind of go with it. Nearly um, getting behind an Eastern European team. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Croatia have always been, always been doing. Have we done Croatia yet? We haven't, have we? We need to do that '98 team, surely. E- oh yes, yes, that is definitely one for the cards. Yes. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting, like if Brazil turn up and blow them away, then then I'll happily say, okay, you know, Brazil should be favourites, but I don't know. We'll have to see on that one. And then, yeah, the Portugal game. I will very much be cheering Morocco on, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it's hard to say. I mean, the Swiss was really were bad that game. They kind of lost everything, you know. That they, they lost their organisation, and that's their key, their key thing. And I feel Morocco will do better than that in, in in that regards for sure, but also have then more threat up front. But you know, I don't know if Portugal's tails are up after that win and and feel they could do no wrong. Big call now. Does Ronaldo come back into the team? You wouldn't think so. But yeah, you'd be mad to really. But you'd be I mad mean... to. But then again, you know. It, it, it depends why you've taken him out. If you've taken him out for punishment, you might be tempted to. And that puts you in an even worse position. If there's one thing we've seen, it's that Morocco can defend. Yeah. Uh, and, and where Ronaldo does come into play, probably, is, is aerially. Yeah. 
you know, he's kind of like, yeah, you can't rely on him to run in behind anymore. But if you get across the box, <laughs> yeah, no better head, no better header of win world football as that. No. Uh, so, yeah, I, that could be really tight. You know, that that might well be nil-nil, 1-1, pens, the, the whole nine yards. I think probably that is going to be the lowest scoring of them, shall we say. So, well, I guess we will be back to talk about the quarterfinals when they are done. Hope you've enjoyed our little run through the round of 16 and uh, various other off-topic bits we got to and uh, we will see you next time.